Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Stocks for beginners. Your business is not doing something to make the environment, you know, a better place. It's going to be hard, very hard for you to compete in the future. And you can start to see the start of that in the EV market where consumers can really get their head around that. Yeah, like driving an electric car produces, you know, fewer emissions. So I can get behind that. And we're seeing that in the EV market. We're seeing people really get behind that. And we're seeing those valuations skyrocket, not based on their revenue, not based on anything else, just based on how those companies are positioned for the future. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Do you ever get that odd, niggling feeling that you shouldn't be eating so much meat? If not for the planet or the animals, maybe for your health. Not that I want to lecture anyone, but there are many people who are beginning to think this way. Joining me today to talk about this and what may be become a mega trend is James McInnes. Hello, James. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Now, James founded Odd Burger in 2014 as a grassroots vegan organisation that brought organic fruit and vegetables from local farmers to customers' doorsteps. Over the years, they've transformed from a small organisation to a meal kit preparation company, a food truck, a standalone brick-and-mortar restaurant, to having several locations with a manufacturing centre and being the world's first publicly traded vegan fast food chain in Canada and the United States. So let's start off by talking about the businesses that you're involved in before Odd Burger and what you learned there? Yeah, I mean, my background is in technology, actually. So I come from the financial technology world. And uh, before Odd Burger, I actually ran a software company and we created automated technology for the financial industry. So um, yeah, I mean, I guess through that experience, I mean, obviously, I got a strong tech background, a lot of experience in management and leadership and that kind of stuff. So I've applied a lot of that to Odd Burger as well. It seems that um, people from a technological background are looking around the way the economy works in other areas and applying those skills to um, improve the way services and goods are delivered. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, you know, I always believe that most things are a technology problem and a technology solution, even though we don't sometimes think of food as a technology. But really, food has become a technology because the way that we have been growing food for the planet and the way that we've been feeding the world, you know, just has to change, right? We have to make a change because of climate change and people's health and obviously, you know, animal welfare issues. So, you know, you need technology to make that happen. So this is why I think, you know, my background as a tech expert is so valuable in the food industry now. So I'm really excited to be applying it. What was it like going public in a pandemic? Was it uh, more difficult than would otherwise have been? Well, I mean, I can't say uh, if it was more or less difficult because I've only done it once and I hope to not do it again. <laughs> but I will speak to just going public in general. I mean, it's absolutely like a, a daunting task. And I think um, I think it's something that uh, is definitely not for every company or, or every uh, stage that you're in. But for us, you know, what was happening at the time, it was sort of like a bit of a special time where, where there was uh, a bit of a boom in the IPO space for small cap tech companies like us, food tech companies. So we just kind of like, you know, we joined that sort of that wave. 
And I think it was beneficial for us because we always wanted a way for your average investor to kind of connect with us and to invest in our company. And we are not like a a VC backed company. So this is very much like primarily owned by founders, led by founders, a lot of it's bootstrapped. And to be honest, we've taken very little funding in our history. So, you know, we've always really focused on running a great business first. I think that's, you know, a really important thing when you're when you're looking to go public. And of course, being ready for high growth. And for us, we're just in that stage right now of really getting to the, the super high growth type of stage in our business. Just so we've um, got the code correct, you're on the TSXV exchange and under the ticker code ODD? Yep, that's right. Odd. Yep. What is the TSXV? That's not the main exchange, is it? Uh, It's the venture exchange. Yeah. So the Toronto Stock Exchange has two exchanges, the TSX and the TSX Venture. So it's for the smaller companies like ours. Yep. So you were saying you've never raised a lot of capital. And this is what I find interesting is the way that um, CEOs and founders approach building up a business. So this is funded from revenue. Is that the case? I mean, we have taken investment capital. It's not like we haven't had investment capital, but it's really been, I would say, minimal compared to you know what you see in other in other tech companies or other food tech companies. But yeah, I mean, we've always really focused on revenue. You know, we've focused on running a good business, running a profitable business. And that's helped us, obviously, to raise, you know, minimal amount of capital. And, you know, going forward, that was always part of our... Part of our goal is to really like uh, focus on having a good business, focus on you know reducing shareholder dilution. All those kind of things are really important to us because you know as big shareholders ourselves, obviously that is something that we care about too. Well, let's have a focus on some of the technology that um, you're bringing to this industry. What's the smart kitchen technology? Is this something that you've developed? Is it a proprietary thing, or just um, talk to us about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's two kind of aspects of our technology in our business. The one side is the restaurant technology and the other side is the food technology because we also are a food technology manufacturer. So we manufacture, develop plant-based proteins uh, and sauces that, you know, we feel are are industry-leading, game-changing type of products. So there's a lot of technology, obviously, on the manufacturing side and that. But then, obviously, in the restaurant side, there's a lot of technology that we employ there. So getting back to the, the idea of smart kitchens, well, you know, what are smart kitchens? I mean, smart kitchens, it's a term that we coined. And it really is the concept that in order for restaurants to evolve and where the industry is going to go, we need to really employ a lot of automation technology in the restaurant space. Because things like, uh, you know, it's very difficult to hire labor these days. And, you know, we need to do more with fewer staff as restaurant owners. And that's just the reality of what's kind of happened with the pandemic. So part of our mission with Smart Kitchens is to to automate many of those tasks in the kitchen. So, for example, our kitchens are very compact. Our restaurants are like less than 1,000 square feet. And you can run them with as little as one person. So you can run our whole restaurant with just a single person. So... You know, compare that to other fast food restaurants, and I think you'll find that they require, you know, four or five people even to turn lights on. So it's almost like taking like a, a subway type of model, but being able to offer like a rich menu with like, you know, fried foods, fast food, 40 menu items like you would see at a traditional fast food restaurant. And the way we do that is that everything is automated. And, you know, for example, like we haven't burned a burger in like four years or something like that. So it's again the idea of consistency, speed, efficiency. And obviously reducing our cost as well. So yeah, so that kind of explains it. It's interesting. It's like that movie, The Founder. Have you seen The Founder about McDonald's, the early days of McDonald's? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of an inspiration where you're taking the technology and bringing it further and making the delivery of the goods and services much faster and easier and more efficient. Absolutely. Yeah. And just like, uh, you know, there was innovation with, with what they did. I mean, there's still so much innovation to still do. And I think what we're seeing is that, you know, the restaurant industry is, is I think, somewhat slow to innovate, to be honest. If you look at kind of what a kitchen looks like 10 years ago to what it looks like today, it hasn't changed that much. And so I think there's a lot of innovation that still needs to and can happen in the restaurant industry. And, uh, you know, that will improve margins, that will improve service, that will improve customer experiences. And, and you know, really letting the staff focus on the customers instead of having staff focus on, you know, trying to make a burger the same every time, you know, we can maybe let a machine do that and really let the staff focus on the soft skills and let them focus on the customer service, customer experience and connecting with people. And I think for us, we really want to, you know, have our people connecting with people. And I think that that's such a huge part of what people want in a restaurant experience and a service experience that you come in and you feel like you're making a connection and you're, you know, you're able to communicate with the staff because they're not in the back kitchen they're up front close to you as an example right so yeah so this is kind of i think some of the advantages of what we're doing tell us then about the technology in um, creating the food as well so part of the principle of our food technology is that we want to make food with simple and natural ingredients now the interesting thing about making food with simple natural ingredients is it's actually harder to make food with simple ingredients than it is to make food with highly processed ingredients because part of the reason that people process food heavily is that it's easier to deal with you know it's easier to form your chicken patties or your chicken nuggets or whatever processing it allows you to do things a little easier so in order to stick with you know the simple ingredients and more natural ingredients uh, it actually you need you know more technology and more innovation in order to do that so we have really focused on that and this is where we really excel so if you look at for example our chicken products they have you know like four ingredients sort of thing right in the protein filet and you know how do you create this great tasting great looking product where every chicken filet is unique it's almost like they're snowflakes. Everyone is unique. So we create very proprietary ways of, of doing that and making that experience that every burger that you have, every piece of chicken is, you know, is unique. And just like you would find if you had a, a regular chicken filet from, you know, an animal, it's going to be cut differently. It's going to have a, a different experience. And that is the kind of stuff that we want to bring to the plant-based sector is this more sort of elevated uh, experience. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Let's have a look at um, the food itself and the advantages that they bring. I know there's a lot of meat lovers out there, and I, I apologise this, and I don't want to lecture anyone for eating meat. But um, first of all, how healthy and sustainable does this make the food that you're producing? Well, I mean, I would argue that you probably can't produce food in a more sustainable way. 
you know, I think this is the most sustainable way of producing food, you know, and I don't think anyone's going to sit here and try to shame people for eating meat or that kind of stuff, because at the end of the day, you know, I was a meat eater once too. And, you know, and that's okay. It's fine to be eating meat. Right. But I think the important thing is to recognize, like, what are the consequences for our actions, right? If we're going to choose to eat meat, then what does that mean for the planet? And what is the cost on the planet? Right. And I think those are the types of things where I think education is so important to just basically enlighten people and make them understand that, yeah, it is hugely taxing on the environment to eat a steak or, you know, a regular burger. And if you can make a more sustainable choice without a sacrifice in flavor or texture or experience, and you can do that all at a similar price point, then why wouldn't you? Because you're benefiting yourself, your own health, you're benefiting the environment, and it's not going to cost any more. So I think if we can approach the problem this way, I think we can connect with people that are eating meat and that, you know, we can show them that when you eat, you know, a burger at our restaurant, there is no sacrifice. And not to say that it's going to be an identical experience. No one's going to say that this is going to be exactly like meat. And we're not trying to be meat, you know, we're proud of making things out of vegetables uh, because we just think that vegetables can taste amazing if you prepare them properly, right? And I mean, I guess the same would go for meat. You know, if you don't prepare meat right either, it's not going to taste good either. So I think, you know, good food is good food. And if we can have sustainable food that is delicious, then it's a big win. And what about the health benefits then, James? Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting because like, obviously we're in the fast food space, right? So the question is, is like, what are the health benefits? Are there any health benefits to eating at your restaurant? And I mean, the simple answer to that is absolutely plant-based foods have definite health benefits. But I think when we think of what are the health benefits, we can't always look at, say, you know, number of calories, how much sodium it has, or number of grams of fat. Because, you know, again, we are fast food, so we are still indulgent, we are still high calorie, we are still, generally speaking, higher in fat and sodium, those kind of things, because those are the things that make food taste good. If you take those things away, it's not going to taste good, doesn't matter what it is. So the interesting thing about that is, you know, now, what are the health benefits? Well, obviously, plant-based proteins don't have any cholesterol, right? So that's one thing. Anyone that has, you know, high cholesterol is going to see benefits feeding a plant-based diet. And also, and something that people don't talk about is fiber. So, you know, you're getting a lot more fiber when you eat our food, which is, you know, good for digestion, it's good for your intestinal tract. And people will very often say, you know, I don't feel bad after eating your food. I feel great after eating your fast food. You know, that's a really important kind of point. And also different aspects of meat, like the inflammatory aspects of eating meat or the um, inflammatory aspects of eating dairy and all the growth hormones and all the other things that are in those products that are not in plants. So when you look at all these types of things, for example, risk of cancer by eating meat is substantially increased. And when you add all these things up, I think um, people will realize that, you know, eating plant-based definitely has some health advantages. Considering those factors, do you see this then as a mega trend that um, could possibly provide a wave for investors to ride? Well, yeah. I mean, and I, I don't even like calling it a trend because I think that, you know, to be honest, the future just has to go in a more sustainable way. Because when you think about it, you know, we can only keep sort of abusing the environment and the world so much. Right. And it kind of gets to a point where where it's just completely and totally unsustainable. And to be honest, we're already at that point. We're past that point. Right. Now, the next question is, when are the masses going to realize that? Right. Because that message has not come to the majority of the population. So I think that it's going to take some time to get this message out. But I think that this has to change. And if the future is green, 
right? And we say that, you know, if you're not a sustainable business, if your business is not doing something to make the environment, you know, a better place, it's going to be hard, very hard for you to compete in the future. And you can start to see the start of that in the EV market where consumers can really get their head around that, yeah, like driving an electric car produces, you know, fewer emissions. So I can get behind that. And we're seeing that in the EV market. We're seeing people really get behind that. And we're seeing those valuations skyrocket, not based on their revenue, not based on anything else, just based on how those companies are positioned for the future. And I think we are in exactly the same kind of position. Once people realize that we need plant-based solutions to feed the world, and that's the only way forward, you know, long-term, then I think we're going to see the plant-based sector, you know, absolutely explode. And I think that this is, again, just part of that, you know, message getting out to the masses and people accepting that. On a business level, do you see your competition as McDonald's or Beyond Meat? You know, that's actually kind of um, an interesting thing to say. I mean, you know, I don't really like competing with other vegan companies, to be honest, because I, I always kind of say we're on the same team largely, you know, and I think we all have the same type of mission, which is, you know, to make the world a better place and do the right thing. So I would say our competition definitely is, you know, the fast food giants for sure. Because the thing is, the question is, is like, you know, how are these companies going to change? Right. And they're not going to change by themselves, right? They're going to change through either competition or consumer demand or a combination of those things. So, you know, our goal is to, again, prove that, you know, a hundred percent plant-based fast food concept is the future and that, you know, for McDonald's and Burger King, all these people to survive going forward, they have to go 100% plant-based, right? You know, and we want to be part of that, right? So whether they can look at us and say, wow, Oddburger now has, you know, 500 locations and, you know, that's pretty incredible. Like maybe we should, you know, put some more plant-based options on our menu or maybe we should go entirely plant-based one day. You know, I think these are going to be the things that are going to change the industry. So I think, yeah, we're targeting the mainstream kind of fast food. And franchising is a big part of your growth strategy. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, our kind of plan all along was to sort of get a base of corporate stores, which we've done now. You know, we have uh, five corporate stores running now with a couple more coming. Whereabouts are they? They're all in Ontario. Yeah, so they're uh, Toronto, uh, London, Hamilton, Waterloo, all the Toronto kind of Toronto area, Toronto, Ontario. So, you know, the cool thing about that is that we have that sort of proof of concept. We know that that this works in many different cities, many different communities. We're in, you know, six different cities. So franchising is the way that we're going to really grow and sort of take this global. Because, you know, franchising allows us to have local operators. It allows us to partner with local companies. And it also reduces our need for capital because, you know, opening corporate stores is capital intensive. And again, going back to, you know, really trying to avoid shareholder dilution, franchising allows us to reduce that need for capital, allows us to, you know, take our money a lot further because we're getting partners to invest with us. And I think, too, I think when you have someone that's franchised, no one's going to care about that business like a franchise owner. There's something about that, you know, it's their business, they've invested in it, they're going to be, you know, the boots on the ground type of thing. And they're going to care like more than any manager would or anyone like that because they have skin in the game, so to speak. So we love that type of alignment. And the thing is for us, you know, going back to being a food manufacturer, again, our core business is the food, the food manufacturing, right? And the more franchises we have, the more food that we can provide to them. And, you know, our business is going to scale with it. 
much quicker. So this is why franchising is going to be sort of the direction that we move in primarily as we scale into the States and across Canada and everywhere else. It gives us that geographical reach that is harder if you're in a corporate sort of rollout. So yeah, we're excited for that that next phase. Will, tell us about the next phase. Where are you projecting the growth to occur and the trajectory? Yeah. So right now, obviously our core base is in Ontario. So we're going to focus on a lot of franchising here in Ontario. But we're also opening franchises right across Canada. So we've recently signed a franchisee in Calgary, for example. We have some other stuff on the West Coast sort of happening. So it's a very exciting time for us. But our sort of initial wave of franchisees is going to be Canada-wide. And then really, we're going to go very hard into the U.S. on a franchising model. And um, we're going to kind of uh, be looking at a strategy where we probably start off in the New York sort of area and sort of go from there. So, you know, we'll start East Coast because, you know, that's kind of pretty close to us. And then we're going to kind of expand across the states. So it's a very exciting, I think, opportunity for us to, you know, tackle the U.S. market. And I think that's sort of the, the center of the fast food world. And we can't wait to be, become like a, a major player in that market. This is a question without notice, but um, what advice would you give a a young entrepreneur who is um, founding a startup and wants to get involved? You know, you've got a little bit of experience. And so what advice would you give them? You know, I think the most important thing with anyone sort of starting a business is to, you know, number one, obviously making sure that you're doing what you believe in, what you're passionate about. I think if you don't have that kind of passion, it's going to be really hard to get out of bed in the morning. So, you know, every day I get up, I'm excited to start my day because I'm doing what I love. That's obviously like one component of it. But the other component, and I always kind of, I would say tell anyone this, is really just focus on the revenue growth. I think getting your product to market, getting people trying it, getting it out there, you know, and really pushing that revenue growth is always, you know, really important. But at the same time, you know, you want to make sure that your product is ready and that you're in the right position for it. So you don't necessarily want to, you know, push revenue growth at all costs because, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, what you're selling or the service that you're providing is sort of like ready to go to market. So for example, like, you know, we could have opened more corporate stores earlier, but, you know, the model wasn't quite perfect yet. Because what we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that our model was really perfect and easily repeatable, you know, because that's what you need when you're franchising. So we really held back some of that early growth on purpose so that we would be able to grow faster later on and more easily. So making those kind of decisions, I think, is really important for someone that's a new startup. So if people want to find out more about Odd Burger, how can they find you? Yeah, I mean, the best way, obviously, is to visit our website at oddburger.com, or you can you can visit us on social media on our Instagram account. It's a great place as well. Odd Burger Fast Foods, our handle there. So yeah, that's a great place to check us out. Yeah, they look delicious. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I want to try one. <laughs> totally. James McInnes, thanks very much for joining me today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 